Welcome back to another Film Friday here on the Dunkin' with Dom pod. Dan, it has been a little bit of a minute since our last pod, but nonetheless, it is good to have you finally on for another episode. What's up, Dom? It's been a while. Good to be back. <laughs> I mean, our last Film Friday, well, it was all the way back with uh, Space Jam in the summer, right? We've been wanting to, you know, do the Anchorman for a while, so it's good to see we uh, kind of found, found the time to do this. We finally got it. And the, the semester IQs really uh, did a number on getting this pod eventually recorded and hopefully posted by, you know, 2022. <laughs> I would agree. I would definitely agree with that. <laughs> so we, we hinted at it. We're doing finally the Anchorman. You were the person that recommended this film to me. I had never seen it before in my life. It is another one of these films where it's like the holy shit. How did I not see this at any time in my life up till now? But here we are. I'll start with the simple question, Dan. Why did you pick this film for me to do? I absolutely love this movie. I think it's hilarious. Uh, my entire family has been laughing at this movie for years. It's weird to say my mom loves this movie. We all love it in my family. We just think it's hilarious and we love Will Ferrell and all the other cast members. I will say, I agree with you there. The Will Ferrell heading this movie, like this is like Will Ferrell in the middle of his prime. Like we'll get to this in just a little bit, but Will Ferrell in this movie is absolutely spectacular. Uh, and you have to admit, for it being like a mid-2000s comedy, if you wanted anybody to be in the cast, Will Ferrell was easily like the number one pick in like the 2000s comedy draft, without a doubt. Oh, definitely. And especially like the cast members, I don't want to like get ahead of the schedule or anything, but like Steve Carell, oh my God. He's yeah, fantastic well, in this movie yeah. too. Well, I'll say, how so about getting good. two of those office guys in the middle of their prime when that shows out and you get, like, Paul Rudd right before he kind of takes off? Like, it's a good support group here. And even, how about Jack Black? Like, again, another one of these guys where it's oh, like... Oh, man, don't get me I, started. <laughs> I think this is also... It's right before Kung Fu Panda, right? Because I think Kung Fu Panda is a bit later in the decade. So it's at oh, least, it's at least yeah. in the range, though. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's good there. And then... You said it best. The humor in this movie is like the perfect mid 2000s humor that like it's always the stupid humor. Like now I feel like in like the modern day, all humor is more like directed to educated people. But this was just like the happy Gilmore anchorman stepbrothers like archetype of they say the stupidest shit and all you could do is laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Yeah, so this film is a, you know, 2004 American satire comedy. Again, another one of these, you know, major satires. Where would you rank this among kind of your comedies in not only this era, but probably like all time for you? Is it kind of up there in like that top three to five range? Or if you had to kind of make a list on the fly here, what are you thinking about and kind of why? Oh, definitely top five. I think definitely top five. It's going to have like, I don't know about the rankings, but it's going to have Anchorman, Dodgeball, um, Step Brothers for sure. Oh man. Um oh, it's, it's hard on the list, but it's definitely up there in my top five easily. I will say I'm glad you went to Dodgeball on that. Another film that we're gonna be doing at some point on this pod because um ironically stars, I forget his name off the top of my head, but another uh member of this cast is also in that movie, which is kind of funny. So oh I, <laughs> I think it's an underdog story, right? Is that the one? The uh the mid uh, dodgeball comedy. yeah 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 oh my god that film is funny as hell <laughs> oh man yeah so yeah so anyway and then this movie surprisingly has a really big cast when it comes to writing did not know this but wolf ferrell helps out with the writing easily without a doubt when you see it with the comedy but then it's directed by adam mckee or i think mckay is how you pronounce it 
big movies that have aged pretty well. He he helped direct Step Brothers, so he's in these back-to-back Will Ferrell comedies. He does Anchorman 2, which I think we can agree did not uh, live up to the hype as Anchorman 1 by far and away. I think we can all kind of get on that consensus for sure. And then helps out with two important movies in the 2010s with Ant-Man, which stars, ironically, Paul Rudd in this film. And then Vice, which is a really good historical film that it's one of the better films probably the last like seven or so years. When you combine the Will Ferrell comedy power with the writing like this, it definitely shows in the product for this movie. Am I right? Oh, definitely. The cast is an all-star lineup, you would say. I would say. It has so many actors that are still relevant to this day i'm even just looking at the cast list right now and i'm seeing like danny trejo ben stiller um yeah john c Riley, like just <laughs> almost like a kind of random grab bag of just well-known people and i think that really adds to the comedy of it in a weird way where you see someone and you're like oh my god he's in this movie <laughs> and it's kind yeah, of funny right. i think especially with john c Riley. now that i saw him his uh his introduction is kind of funny <laughs> But well, I'm sure we can get into that later. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Yeah, no. Well, what I like about this film is that there's always these random like characters that pull up for like four minutes, but it's like the best four minutes. Like, there's a lot of heat check guys in this film where it's like <laughs> they could be their own star of a film or own like one B or whatever. But for this particular film, they're somehow like seventh in line in the order, like the fucking order for acting. <laughs> it's hilarious. And then I think the big thing to take away from this besides the comedy is of course like if you're somebody who's even into news or just knows a thing about broadcasting this film is so damn relevant when it comes to making fun of news like you have to think about this because like nowadays news is like kind of crazy where you got like the social media news and more people talking about the news and actually reporting on the news but this era kind of this like they're they're discussing this 1970s like action news Action news was kind of like not a thing up until that point. Like the, the, everything from like the having the anchor and like remember the introduction where they're like back when Americans believed in everything the anchor said. It was true. Like there really wasn't a doubt on people's TVs compared to now. I think that's a big point in this movie that kind of is like in the background. Like news is totally different now than it was back then without a doubt. Definitely. Definitely. I And I don't even know. Just to go back to that first point you made, I don't even know a lot about the news and I still thought this movie was funny, so that should say something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, the big thing, too, is that there is this evolution of news throughout this, like, throughout history. Like, before this 1970s style news, there was kind of, like, the eyewitness news where there was a lot of people on the ground, uh, kind of, like, always, like, man-on-street interviews, whatever. The 1970s comes along and told Cable, and it's this era of, like, the Cronkites and the uh, the Anchorman types, if you put it, where it's always like these personalities on TV, but not like the Fox News, like CNN personalities. It was just like you always turn into this one specific guy at this one time to watch your news. And then that radically changes. But this movie makes fun of that era of action news because there are some limitations and they poke fun of it. Number one, the lack of like females on air, like it just wasn't a thing in the 70s. Then they poke fun of it a ton, which I I love the way they kind of do that the um making fun of like this one guy everything he said you always took with the like always took to heart like this guy is like the one outlet you, that is like the opposite of his now which is kind of funny all of that blends together pretty well in this film 
I would definitely agree. I think it's really funny how they poke fun of um, kind of the culture that, uh, at least at their uh, news station, where uh, Ron will be like reading the news and Champ uh, and Paul Rudd will be like throwing the football back and forth, like as he's live on air. And you can see the shadow behind him as he's reading the news. <laughs> that, that's so funny. This is the way they interact. I think they have great chemistry. Well, the, the apex of that was like them just lighting cigs like in the middle of the set. It's like yeah. only in the 70s you just pop like a Marlboro in the middle of like recording. Like, yeah, it's hard to imagine that now. Yeah, definitely not. So we can get kind of into the acting bit of this. The, the big thing, of course, is Will Ferrell, the star of this movie, arguably his best film. I think there's candidates for there's a lot of candidates for it, but. I want to get your thoughts. Is this Will Ferrell's best performance in your eyes based on any other Will Ferrell film you might have seen? It's definitely up there. I think, once again, definitely in the top five. I just think he plays this character well. And a lot of the times, I think a lot of people who have beef with Will Ferrell uh, have beef with like the kind of like overacting he tends to do sometimes. I can acknowledge that's what he tends to do sometimes um but i think in this movie it's not too bad i think it works well for this kind of character who is a character he's a news personality so i think that works kind of well the little bit of overacting especially like in the certain situations that he finds himself in so i would consider it one of his best definitely yeah i, I agree with you because i don't know what it is with like films but in the mid 2000s because i keep pointing to that era comedies and just acting in general were so different than they are now like there's definitely there's no coincidence that will ferrell's peak like in terms of you look at the movies is exactly in that era of like late 1900 1990s all the way until like 2010 so here's the list of those films from like kind of that era austin powers in 97 which is like like one of the best movies ever uh, Zoolander in 2001. He's not the main guy there, but it's another funny movie. Then he- here comes the big like five-year stretch. Elf in 2003, all-timer. Anchorman here in 2004. Wedding Crashes in 2005, which I don't know if you've seen is freaking hysterical. It's one of these like forgotten about films. Blades of Glory, 2007. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Uh, fucking awesome. And then 2008 concludes with Step Brothers. So here's this like five-year run where he does Elf, Anchorman, Wedding Crashers, Blades of Glory, Step Brothers. And after that, it falls off a cliff. Like if you look after 2010 onward, it's Megamind, The Internship, Anchorman 2, Lego Movie, Zoolander 2. It's all these films that kind of like whiffed at the box office or like we don't really like care about now. But I mean, hey, Elf and Blades of Glory, Step Brothers, some of those films, those are like, what, five of the top 15 comedies or 20 comedies, like the 2010s? Like, that's a big run there for Will Ferrell. Mm, definitely. Megamind has slept on, though. I watched that a lot. It was a good... <laughs> that was a good movie. But no, yeah, it's really crazy how he hit so many, like, he hit so many good movies in such a short amount of time, just one after another. Yeah, it's one of the better, like, five-year peaks I've probably seen so far on this pod if I'm, like, looking at careers. And more importantly, of course, is that we get Anchor... I think Anchorman kind of launches him off to the rest of these films. Like, I think Anchorman led to the Blades of Glory, led to the Step Brothers. And I also argue, and you brought this up, that Will Ferrell's acting is so specific for this film. Like, I can't think of another character, really, that plays this part better than Will Ferrell. And it's not saying that because this is a pod. I'm saying that because if you think about it, 
you need the stupid guy. Like, unless it's at an Adam Sandler variant, I don't think anybody can play the Anchorman better than Will Ferrell. Definitely. He's got that presence. He's got that kind of, like, I think the mustache definitely helps. Gotta love the mustache. <laughs> he plays it very well when he's being, like, the news anchor, but then also when he's just, like, talking. He's got that kind of, like, like sit chest up kind of uh like perfect way to be a news anchor in a movie like this well and he makes fun of it so well like i'm not spoiling it but remember like some of the stuff in the introduction where he's like uh how now brown cow was like trying to do like, like, yeah, yeah or like he says something with new york and he's like unique, unique oh, yeah, new unique. york unique <laughs> new york <laughs> like, vocal like warm-ups yeah, yeah. Are, we, are we live right now i don't believe you <laughs> Yeah, the, the posture and, like, the acting. And, like, again, the stupid comedy, this is Will Ferrell's specialty is the stupid shit. Like, it definitely, like, oh, yeah. correlates well. And then you get into my favorite part, which is that a surprisingly deep supporting cast for 2004. Like, the names on this list, another, there's another Paul Rudd film we have where it's like, oh, this is Paul Rudd before the whole Ant-Man Marvel era. And I... Who, who plays their part better? Is it Paul Rudd? Is it the sports anchor David uh, Cockner? Or is it Steve Carell with kind of his weather role? Because all three of those guys kind of really balance each other out pretty well. I got to go with my man, Champ Kind. He plays <laughs> that so well. I think it's, I, I think a lot about the uh, the second movie, too, which is like, I know it's getting a little bit off topic, but I think he plays that character so well of like coach, or like the former basketball or baseball player, and he goes whammy. Like yeah. I think in the second movie, he uh, when they all lose their jobs, he's like um, he's like a restaurant owner of like a fast food place. It's like a fried chicken place, and Ron holds up like a fried wing, and he says, "Is this chicken?" And he goes, "We use bats, the chicken, <laughs> the chicken of the skies." <laughs> he's one, hilarious. I yeah. absolutely love him. Yeah, well, the other thing, too, about this movie that's kind of whack, did not know this, combined, if you look at the top five actors slash actresses, so Will Ferrell, Paul Rudd, Christina Applegate, who uh, plays the female anchor in this uh, in this movie, and I love her character, without a doubt, Steve Carell, David Cochner, a combined one Oscar nomination between all five of those, even though Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd and, you know, the two office guys and like, they're all like big names in the acting industry. Like this movie somehow pulls off the like big name acting without having any of like accolades to show for it. It's a shame, but I guess these dumb kind of comedies don't usually always get the highest critical reviews, but that's for them. You know, I, I don't think we're really going into this looking for a masterpiece of cinema, but I still enjoyed it. And I know a lot of other people still have. Yeah, well, de yeah, definitely agree with you there. And another thing to balance the what I like about this film with the acting is that they got these guys all at the right time. So even like Paul Rudd, he does the nightmare at the museum or the night at the museum two years after this and launches into the Ant-Man stuff. So they kind of got him right before he took off. The Office starts a year after Anchorman. So they're already filming The Office probably by the time this movie's coming out. So they get Steve Carell and uh, David Cochran at the right time. And then you bring in Christina Applegate, who's an 80s actor who still like fits like the young stereotype in 2004 that they wanted. It's a such a balanced supporting cast where it's like, hey, they kind of got all these people like right before they became like super duper stars. 
I think it was um I think it was Ben Stiller in the uh, Nightmare or in the like Night at the Museum movies. But your point still stands in that like you got Paul Rudd before like a huge big explosion in his career, and also Ben Stiller uh, before another huge explosion is in his career because Ben Stiller is in this movie as well in a small role, but he's he does it hilariously. Um, I think he's the anchor for the uh, Spanish news station, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, I forgot that that we'll get into but that fight scene with all the like news teams. It's oh, like, here, here's oh, the night God. news team. <laughs> we've got to start getting into the plot because I'm dying to talk about some of these scenes. Oh my God! Yes, we're we're almost there. We got to get through one more category, which is like all of the history behind it, kind of like the fun facts. So. Zero Oscar nominations. I think, unsurprisingly, it's just one of those things kind of like I call it the Wolf of Wall Street effect, not to this extent, but it just is hard to kind of pick a winner. It's one of those like good films, but hard to like just like put the accolades to it. So unfortunate. Uh, Rolling Stone ranked it as the 12th best comedy of all time in AV Club, ranked as the seventh best comedy in like the two, uh, the 2000s. So we're talking about some pretty important like comedies here. This movie made $90 million and only behind Spider-Man 2 was number two in the uh, uh, opening day for box offices. So again, success-wise, absolutely incredible. Uh, Surprisingly, not too well. Do you know why? I mean, I don't know if you want to provide a reason here. This movie only scored a B with the audiences out of like a A plus to F rating. Is there any particular reason you think not to be like a Debbie Downer, but what kind of made this film not like the most popular among fans? Cause a B is still good, you know, in the film scale, but we, I would give this and you probably give this an A. Audiences just don't know it's good. You can't <laughs> trust them. This movie's perfection. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. I don't That's know. That's all either. I got to say. They just, they just clearly don't know. They clearly didn't see the masterpiece that was set in front of them. Yeah, I think the only thing maybe is the stupid comedy. Maybe, like, people weren't too into, like, the dumb shit. That's my only take, but... There's definitely a group of people who aren't into the, like, yeah, like, dumb comedy. That's the best way to put it, I think. Um, people who think it's too dumb, I would agree with that. There are definitely some people who can't get down with a movie like that. Yeah, well, unfortunate because now we can actually get quickly into this segment now. Let's talk about all the categories with this film, starting off with favorite scene. I think uh, like most Duncan with Dom film Friday pods, the favorite scene is always the hardest because, oh, my God, there's a lot to unpack. <sighs> so well, many good ones. We'll, we'll start off with that intro scene. What did you think of the opening credits? Super good. I think, um, I think the narrator really helps with uh, kind of like the – like cheese, like intentional kind of cheese surrounding like the era it's placed in that they're trying to portray in the movie. I think I like that a lot. Uh, good voice too, so that's always a plus. Well, how about the like as they're rolling the credits of all the people, like the Ron Burgundy, like just uh compilations of like how now brown cow and uh him buying the sig and like these like bits where it's like this guy like we know there's gonna be a ron burgundy film without a doubt <laughs> oh yeah definitely so good i think it's a good way to show the uh personality of all the characters too like i don't think a lot of movies do that nowadays um which i'm sure could have helped in a lot of movies <laughs> like uh i remember like suicide squad that was that movie was a mess i think it really could have helped to have just a quick introduction to each of the characters like it does in this movie 
Yeah, and then we get into kind of up into the introduction to this, like uh, introducing the news team. I think my <laughs> the the stereotypes of all the news guys. I don't know why, but the Steve Carell's the awkward weatherman. It just gets me every time. Like, isn't that? I think that's how most weathermen act, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's so funny. He plays like the the weird guy very well. I think Steve Carell. Um, I, I think I forget in the scene introducing him is he putting ice cream in like the toaster <laughs> <laughs> at the party it's just so weird but he's like <laughs> well when he has the line where he says <laughs> you're like we can say this word but he's like years later a doctor would tell me that I have an IQ of 48 and what some people would call me mentally retarded <laughs> and the oh way my God, IQ of 48 he's so funny I love him I would, <laughs> <you'd>... <laughs> oh my god well, and he's like, yeah, he's like putting ice cream. He's like, my favorite thing ever. It's not mayonnaise. What he said, like toast or some stupid shit with the uh, <laughs> with the well, picture uh, food. That's like, oh, I forget what he said too. Yeah, I know what you're saying though. It's like white bread or yeah, something well, like that. Well, how about the damn? How about Champ? Where it's like the perfect sports guy where he's like loud and obnoxious. It's like all how it's like our sports department here. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's like any sports bar in a news studio where it's like just the perfect dark type for it. Like they're loud, they're always they're right, they're intelligent, but man, you can tell they're in the room for sure. Oh, he's a big rowdy guy. I think he plays it really well. I love his catch out of whammy. He's so good how he's got um he's got like the perfect face for it. And I think he's played coaches in other movies. I'm just um struggling to remember the name, but uh, David Cockner is like fantastic in that role of like the coach or like the former uh, sports star in this movie. He plays a former baseball player given the news spot. And I think he does it up really well with that kind of like loud personality of like, all right, get ready to sit down. Here's some news. I think is fantastic. Or the line where he's like, I just had two cocktails. Now I'm going to get a little whammy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will, oh I will say he also fits the bill of like looking like a seventh grade former like JV basketball coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks That's like dude, it's perfect. Coach. It's perfect. And then perfect you get, of course, happens. Paul Rudd, the stereotype reporter, where he's like here with the breaking news and he's got the cologne. Like, remember the Sex Panther? <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> she gets perfect. a special cologne, Sex Panther. It's illegal in nine countries. It's made with bits of real panther. <laughs> <laughs> with that authentic spot and it's wolf Ferrell goes like it makes the nostrils purr <laughs> it makes the nostrils purr. and he has to be power washed because they're everyone's like what is that horrible smell oh my god yeah. like fumigate the building <laughs> yeah i know will ferrell's like the star comedian but dude some of these guys are just funny as hell like i did not realize how funny paul rudd was until this like film actually happened like remember when he does like the news report on the panda and he's like breaking news panda watch <laughs> oh my god yeah he's great and the then that, that leads us into the news pitch meeting where we get to see the boss of the news station they talk about the ratings and then there's that bit where it's like uh we need because of you know a lack of diversity and the champ goes what's diversity and we'll <laughs> Do you remember what Will Ferrell says with like the Civil War ship? <laughs> I forget. He goes, he goes like diversity. It's like, it's like, it's like an old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that introduces like Christina's character. We kind of get a little bit of that. 
which oh, is super, yeah. which is super duper awesome. And then I think my one of my favorite uh, scenes is the golf scene, uh, where we get introduced to the nightly news team and that whole little bit. Do do you ever think there's rivalries between news teams and news stations? Is that is that a little overblown, or do we think this is actually kind of funny? I'm sure this was a commentary on the. Um... <clears throat> Because they were the central sources of news, being like news stations, I'm sure that there was beef between rival stations within the same city. Uh, when everyone is supposed to be looking to you, there's going to be contention for the top spot, I would imagine. So I'm sure while, yes, it's definitely exaggerated <clears throat> and overblown in this movie, I can't help but like wonder if there were like inspirations for these things. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it is a little sad comedic on like the, like, which news team is better? Y'all are the same. Just report the damn news. <laughs> get, get the job done. And then we get, we get this next scene where it's the, uh, the, uh, the introduction of Christina's character. And, like, what the hell? Like, remember the, op- the meeting with the boss the, uh, with, like, the news team? Where they're, <laughs> they're like, I've heard, like, uh, Steve Crow goes, like, I've heard periods make bears, like, uh, attracts bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Paul, remember, Paul Rudd's like, see, bears are going to be at the station. You just, you just ruined, you just put all our lives at risk. <laughs> yeah, bears. You put all our lives at risk. Again, the stupid, it, you know what it reminds me of? It's like an ad lib book, this movie, where it's like, they just, <laughs> like, they have, like, random blanks with the nouns and adjectives and just say, go for it. <laughs> That was so good. Oh, and they're each like yelling at the the boss and uh, Steve Carell goes loud noises. Yeah, an iconic line that I think people don't realize where that comes from until you watch the film. Everyone thinks it's like The Office, but no, it's a a sneaky best liner for Steve Carell before all of his uh TV show days. So little little fun fact there. Also, did not know where that line came from until I saw this film. So which is always <laughs> cool. Then we get into oh, yeah. what you want to say something. Oh, no, I said, oh, yeah, no, definitely. Top 10 line. <laughs> and then we get into the uh, the lot of the scene where all the guys attempt to ask the uh, ask Christina's character out. Remember that where uh, Champ is like, I'm just here to grab a stapler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here, I've got Sex Panther. Rawr. <laughs> oh, my God. What was that? Your- also- oh, no, you go, go, go. no, you can go. You can go. I think that also works as a very good, like, uh, kind of showcase of each one of the characters' personality one by one. Uh, I can't help thinking about Brick again. And he goes, hello, I'd like to invite you to the pants party. <laughs> the pants party. <laughs> no, well, I was going to mention like, that right now. Yeah, the Steve Carell yeah, bit. Where the- explain it for him. Like, are you saying that there's a party in your pants and that I'm invited? He says, yes. <laughs> 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 oh my god I was like, the so Carell so awkwardness just kills me every time I see this film because I'm like dude oh my god because it's so hard to be awkward I think only Steve Carell again can pull off that role like without giving oh, shits. definitely oh lord <laughs> and then eventually we get the date uh, with uh, Christine and Will Ferrell they had like that weird unicorn scene remember that where they're like riding these like virtual like imaginary like horses and then like oh my god yeah it goes like (laughs) animated for a little bit (laughs) i was like what the hell's going on and then then the bridge scene remember uh the jack black scene the surprise jack black appearance what were your thoughts on that scene that is my favorite scene in the entire movie that's my favorite scene when he kicks him off the 
when he kicks him off the bridge and it turns into like a very obvious like stuffed animal with all its limbs like sprawled out and it's spinning and it hits the water <laughs> they just it's like surprising yeah. jack oh, black is like another funny thing it's like oh my god that's jack black like what what is he doing here and then he shows up and kicks a dog off a bridge and leaves like well the other the other thing too is that have you seen like the the bloopers at the end of the movie where he like tries kicking the dog and it just doesn't go well at all (laughs) no i haven't actually oh my god he like tries to punt the dog and the dog goes like two feet backwards Well, and how about the 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 uh, absurdity of this film, where like they just have Jack Black punting a dog off the bridge in San Diego? Oh my God! I think that's like that moment is perfectly like interspersed with all the other events of the movie because it's kind of ridiculous. And yeah, the whole movie's a little bit ridiculous, but for the most part, it is like largely like grounded in like its setting and like what actually takes place. So to just have Jack Black just kick the dog off the bridge and it like <laughs> it's, it's there's no sad music or anything it's played relatively straight i yeah, think he's like really no! funny. yeah <laughs> i think that's really funny because it really just kind of comes out of nowhere almost kind of blindsides you with the absurdity of it and then just continues on yeah, it, it's ridiculous as hell. And then this leads us to the apex of the film where Christina reads the news uh, uh, instead of Ron Burgundy because Ron Burgundy isn't there on time. Was that the right climax for the film? Do you think that was kind of like the right direction to go to? Because I thought it was absolutely perfect. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, it uh, created. That's another thing about that uh, that bridge scene. It creates like it was necessary. Uh, it has like purpose and it creates the distraction that Ron has in order to be late enough uh to the news so uh where veronica can read so it kind of like it creates the perfect like moment so it not only is it funny but it also has purpose and that scene when christine veronica's reading the news and all the other guys are like behind the camera trying to make her mess up and i think paul rudd's like taking off his pants like shaking his ass towards her and trying to make her mess up so funny well oh my again another bloopers thing but the amount of times they have like there was one where champ was on paul rudd's back and paul rudd was still doing like the like holding his nuts thing oh my god i was it was laughing my ass off they definitely didn't like make the final cut but holy crap it was hysterical and then I'm sure a lot of those were impromptu like they just yeah, like, do whatever <laughs> it's paul rudd and champ dude of course they're gonna like go uh impromptu on that <laughs> so funny it's such a good scene. Yeah, and then it get, we get into kind of like the last, like, like I guess last half of the movie here. Because, uh, how about the the duo anchor of Ron Burgundy and Christina? Where, uh, <laughs> the, remember? Do you remember the scene where, uh, what's it called? Ron, they're trying to sign off, and they keep taking turns trying to sign off and be the last person to talk. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I think their chemistry also has like rival anchors is so funny i think one of my favorite parts about that is when um the uh end credits and like the sponsors are going across the screen and so they're supposed to look like oh act like you're like bantering like i'm like i'm sure you know um and so they're like they're like <laughs> filing together papers and they're looking at pens and as they're saying this, they're saying like punch you punch you right in the right in the heart and they're doing it in like a whimsical way and then it cuts to a tv 
where there's no volume. So all I can see is their like kind of banterish, like friendly looking language, even though they're saying all these horrible things. And Veronica goes, uh, jazz flutes are for little fairy boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my, there's a one scene that didn't make it where like uh, Ron Burgundy goes like, I will get a BB gun and execute you. <laughs> <laughs> it was something along that line, but it was like, I will grab a BB gun and shoot you in the back of the head. <laughs> Yeah. And you hear everyone laughing in the background because it's like, dude, like that's the, the ability to just not like bust your balls laughing at like scenes like that. And because it again, it makes fun of the news bit. Remember, we even see with the news shows now where they always do like the fix the papers, pretend talk to each other because the mics are cut. And in reality, they're like talking crap to each other. And you said it best. What did you think of like the dynamism, the duo of Ron Burgundy and the female anchor uh, to kind of put this all together? I think it works for really well. I think those two actors really work well together because they have a kind of snappy, like, hate relationship between each other. Almost not entirely, like, hateful. It's Ron trying to instigate, like, conflict with Veronica and Veronica just kind of dealing with it because all she wants is to move up in the network and, like, prove herself and prove that all women can like do just as good as a man so it's really more of like reactive for her but I think it's just as snappy in the way that she's like trying to deal with the Ron Burgundy and all his nonsense I think all, the, all the shenanigans <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it reminds me of actually uh, I forget the girl the actress's name but if you've seen Happy Gilmore remember Adam Sandler and like the blondie it's kind of like that relationship just a little bit right I think so yeah yeah and then um, so she, they, they co-news and then there's the, we got to talk about this scene. We got to break this down like for five minutes, the newscast fight scene. Oh my God. <laughs> give your, give your total un, unreleased rant on what you thought of this scene. Cause it is a case to be one of the best ones. It is so good. This is another example of, it just comes out of nowhere and it's really ridiculous. And it's like, what is going on? But it is so funny when they're doing each introduction of each one of the news like stations and they all have their own different weapons like one of them has like a chain one of them has like a bayonet gun or something like that (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh and then uh you've got what like five or six news stations all like huddled around like each other um and ron goes all right standard rules no hitting of the neck or face and that's it they all back up and they all get into like they all get ready and they all just go in in the middle and there's like violence and they're stabbing each other it is so it's so funny i think uh, uh what is it like brick like brick like ripped off someone's arm or something <laughs> i remember when uh steve crawl threw a spear and <laughs> yes yes that and like and then robert he goes i think he killed the man <laughs> yeah, yeah oh my god uh, would oh. you would you make the case it's one of the funnier scenes probably of the last like 21st century? Definitely. Definitely. I completely. Yes. Yes. It's so funny. So, the aftermath of it, too. And they're just sitting in the office and they just have ice packs. They're saying, oh, and that's another famous line. Oh, boy, that escalated quickly. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, no, it's hilarious. Well, I will notice there is a big thing with 2000s comedies. I noticed with random violence toward each other. Like, <laughs> it's funny because the next scene after this is the scene with uh, uh, Christina and Ron Burgundy fighting each other in the middle of the newsroom. 
and like Ron Burgundy pepper sprays himself and uh, Christina gets like the antenna of a TV and just like extends and then beats the shit out of him. Yeah. But like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed this. Is there like this trend where in like the mid 2000s, everyone was just like, yeah, let's have random people just like beat the crap out of each other for entertainment. I feel like that was a big deal. There was definitely some slapstick in a lot of those movies. Um, and again, I think that's something that not a lot of people or that at least certain groups of people are not down with. And I think, but I think it also goes hand in hand with the kind of comedy that you get in like the dumb comedy like this. So I think it, it's funny and not really out of place, but that's another like aspect of like these kinds of movies that certain people don't like. I personally find it funny. So I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and I would agree that there are certain like, there do tend to be like kind of slapstick scenes in a lot of these movies, like in Step Brothers. I just remember when they built the bunk bed and it comes like crashing down, or in Dodgeball when it's like you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, or uh, Happy Gilmore where like he's in like the ball, uh, the baseball like batting practice cage, and he's just like letting the baseball hit his chest, um, <laughs> or like Blades of Glory that like beat the crap out of each other on the ice rink with like no shirt on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Or when the like backstage at the um, like the the uh, like the fairy tale thing that Will Ferrell's working on, they start fighting. <laughs> oh my Lord! Yeah, Jesus! Like, I think Elf might have some beat up thing too. I'm blanking on like that film, but oh yeah, uh, when um uh, when he's talking to Peter Dinklage and he calls him an elf and he's <laughs> he starts beating him up. Definitely. So def- definitely aged well for it. I will, I will say, I think it is a culture thing. I don't know what it was, but something in the 2000s, I don't know what I can pinpoint, put my finger on it, but I don't know. It was definitely a thing we saw and it made it funny. Then uh, you got to give me your thoughts on uh, uh, unemployed Anchorman. <laughs> oh my God. Milk was a terrible choice. <laughs> the, the bar, the like, we miss you. We miss you, Ron. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's such a good one uh. <laughs> yeah uh, and he's like stumbling around and he's like Bleh. dude the, little, the little kid how about the little kid <laughs> oh my god he's like you're a menace to society <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody likes you <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good scene and then we round it out. Here we are at the, I will say other comedic bit about this movie is the breaking news story that everyone's talking about is the panda giving birth. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? Like an equally silly kind of news story to round out the pretty silly film. Day 46 of Panda Watch. <laughs> <laughs> and you got, you got Paul Rudd going I'm like, they're going to get me fired. Get your ass out here for the interview. <laughs> oh, oh, I will man. say yeah. it's funny that I think they mentioned like it was a like like a pan, like a black and white panda, and then when the girl gets pushed into the cage, it's just brown pandas out of nowhere. I don't know if I missed that, but like that was just so random. <laughs> oh, okay. I see what you're saying. A little bit of a film era. Yeah, I think no, that, is it even a film? Era? I think it was on purpose because <laughs> like the, really, the, yeah. in the anchor scene, the graphic they use is like a black and white panda, like with the gold bamboo, and then here you have these pissy brown bears. <laughs> <laughs> i think i think that was kind of intentional low-key this this movie has a lot of intentional stuff i will say that so oh definitely i would not be surprised if it so, was. G- give me your synopsis on the whole bear situation with the uh everything with the news reporters howling that plays christina getting pushed into the bear pit they try to fight the bears all that sort of stuff honestly 
I forget a lot about the final scenes more often than that because I think so many of the best ones are like midway through the movie. So I kind of forget. And obviously, like I brushed up on the movie. I watched it before this podcast, but I'd forgotten a lot about what happens in the final moments. Um, I forgot like the big deal about the panda giving birth is that it was like it was like the first like panda birth on like U.S. soil or something like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kind of kind of ridiculous. <clears throat> But then, yeah, she gets pushed into the bears and she's like, bears. And everyone's just kind of like watching or they don't realize or uh, something like that. Well, I will say the one thing I noticed with these types of movies, especially this movie, we'll we'll save it for now. It's hard to end comedies like when your plot is all stupidity. At some point, you have to like the roller coaster needs to stop. And there's really like no way to like ease it without, you know, pushing the brakes the panda thing especially with like i'd argue the same thing as you i think the first like half of the movie is better than the second half like the co-anchoring scene backwards i think was better than the everything else after that if i had to like put like my heart to it i don't know if that's no, like, just me or like do you agree with or disagree with that no i got you i got you i think there's some there are some funny ones like drunk ron joke on milk um kind of thing but i would agree that that's probably like the high point and then it just goes lower from there not necessarily bad but it's like that is the last kind of peak i think it is hard to have uh, an ending to a comedy like this where there's no like end goal in sight i think for other movies like blades of glory or dodgeball there's like a clear like win the championship uh win the ice skating um but in a movie like this it's like you know where's the where's the conclusion going to go like obviously ron needs to get his job back but like it doesn't really it's not as strong as those things and so it can be hard to kind of create a scenario where it's like this is the end like this is the end goal i'm glad it, it was like a competition over a uh, story though well i will say there is a part of me like a a lack of like a clear ending for this film because it's like oh like the conclusion is like panda <laughs> like panda give birth and uh, compared to other comedies they, there is as you point out like this clear like beginning middle and end. it was a big thing critics probably like i see why maybe people didn't like it that much from this sense is like hey like i just watched this movie for an hour and it's like where's this going but yeah <laughs> it's more like an snl bit than it is like a movie that's part of the big thing so uh that leads us to the ending though the final thing i love i love the little like uh narration of like where everyone ended up with after the movie ended uh what was yeah. your take on the overall like final scene in general so i think a good good conclusion for the movie if there hadn't been a sequel i think it would have ended it off pretty pretty well um wait till we get into what didn't age well <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah the damn sequel <laughs> oh boy I actually like the sequel kind of. That's that's a little bit getting ahead, but I thought it was pretty funny. I think there are certain scenes that like are in the same vein of like, oh, this comes out of nowhere, but it's and it's kind of ridiculous, but I liked it. Um, but I think if there hadn't been a sequel, this ending would have like capped it off pretty well for sure. I will say my favorite bit at the end is when they're like, uh, Steve Carell's character uh, now works for a uh, political advisor for the Bush administration. <laughs> yeah, a, a little a little dig at Bush there toward the end of the uh, I guess toward the middle of the Iraq War and all that all that craziness. Uh, also, <laughs> Champ where he's like sexual allegations with Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> I was like, oh, like a football, like a male football player. <laughs> I don't oh know, man, fucking hysterical. Well, 
we got to the end of the film. I will give you your who, what, where, and why with favorite scene and kind of like why you end up going back to that when you're watching this film. Favorite scene, always the bridge scene. So funny, so ridiculous. I think it's that prop that they use for Baxter, which is just so hilarious every single time and the impact in the water and Ron goes, he says no like, i just think that's hilarious every single time i love jack black he just comes out of nowhere he plays it really well because he just wipes out on motorcycle and just gets up like bro like <laughs> i love that scene what about you it's tough for me but i think i'm gonna go with i don't know if it's cheating because i think it's still one scene but i'm gonna do the opening credits the introduction of the news team and then basically everything until the party because I think we get a good look at like, every, like it's before we get introduced to Christina where the party's happening. We get to see all the characters have their own little spiel because there's so many one-liners in the first 10 minutes of this film. I got to encapsulate all this. So I'm doing the opening credits slash like first scene until the, until the middle of the party. That's my general take. I will say honorable mentions. Uh, the I think the newscast fight scene just gets so lost in history, dude like <laughs> we spent the most time on it and it didn't make our list but it's like dude like that is a funny ass scene the co-anchor show scene I, I still think even though it's not totally memorable the ending of the film where they get pushed into the panda pen they get ron burgundy out of the bar uh like remember the part where he's like i need to call my news team and all three of the news people are playing pool like in the same bar as him <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so i think that's kind of like my range of like I think that's like my top three or so. We can get into my favorite category as always with this pod. What aged well with the film? You've done the movie pod before. This movie's made in 2004. We're in 2021. This film always has certain, every film has certain things that always seem to stick well with it, whether it's because you rewatched it or because the content or the production or whatever still sticks well in the modern day. What are some of those things to you that stood out? Because I have literally like a list of like 15 different things that are hilarious and made the case to be really good for this film going forward i think overall what works for this movie that you can still watch it today is that like it is kind of ridiculous in the same way that it's like a ridiculous like fish eyed lens view of the 70s and journalism it's still like funny because it's all kind of ridiculous and so even if like looking past like what it is supposed to be making fun of historically it can still be looked at as like oh this is like funny setting of these uh news anchors and it's like taking out the satire of journalism it's still funny because of how ridiculous it is it's exaggerated to such a degree to where like even someone who doesn't even know like anything about journalism still find it would still find it funny like i did when i watched it for the first time like my whole family uh, still found it funny so I think having that bridge between if you know a lot about journalism or journalism in the 70s you can find it funny but also if you know nothing about it you can also find it funny is one of its greatest strengths yeah I love when movies can make fun of stuff and yet at the same time like you don't have to know about the content to still get a laugh at it because the other thing too uh with this film is that the comedy one of the best things I loved it age well it somehow has the 2000s comedy effect where they say stupid stuff, but only like a couple things are like, like cancelable. Like, does that make sense? Like a lot of the comedy still has like the, the words that, you know, you can't really say or whatever, but it doesn't really like affect the movie in a bad way. I've never seen like reviews out there of like, this movie has so much bad shit. We should get rid of it. I don't know if like, I'm not like, 
overthinking here, but that's kind of a good balance. Like any mid two thousands comedy heading into the, the current era, of course, of everything. It, it does pretty well. I would agree. Yeah. I don't think there's too much. That's like really, really bad in this movie. It's like mostly like pretty inoffensive most of the time. Um, obviously there's still some jokes like, <laughs> Wait, I've, got the, like I've, that, but... yeah, I've got him on the one that didn't age well so don't worry <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Like, nobody cancel anybody out here we're all good <laughs> um but i think for the most part um it's pretty funny and it's pretty funny like in a way that is acceptable to most people <laughs> so here's what i have that's aged well by far and away ron burgundy Will Ferrell, I don't know if you knew this, said that he was his Ron Burgundy was his favorite character to play out of any actor role he ever had. <laughs> is Ron Burgundy the best news uh, make fun of her, I guess, if you would on the planet? Because I, I, I have the list in my head. I think this is the best film ever in terms of like making fun of news and making fun of like anchors like Ron Burgundy. Well, if they had Ron Burgundy do the uh, weekend report on Saturday Night Live, I'd probably actually watch it. <laughs> oh he's great i think they just did a um, like a ron burgundy like podcast like the other like a year or two ago or like something like that it was on spotify i remember seeing it everywhere mm-hmm. or maybe not on spotify it was i think it was on iheart radio which is probably why i didn't listen to it but it was like a ron burgundy podcast i don't know if he was talking about news or something but i saw a lot of advertising for it it was when like something else was happening that was really big, so I didn't get like a chance. But I remember seeing something about it. Uh, some other things that H will have on this huge list: uh, the Channel Four news team, the just the stereotypes. Like again, even if you didn't know journalism, you can elaborate on this. But the archetype for all those different roles of a news like cast is like hilarious and awesome. And they're all unique, I think, too. So they stand out from one another, even though they are all guys. Um, they did a good job of giving them each like a unique look and personality for sure. Um, and I think even if someone didn't really know the kind of stereotypes you get in a news team, I think they just work and that like, Oh yeah, I can imagine the, the sports guys like big and loud and the weather guy might be a little bit awkward, you know, <laughs> the on-field reporter is like a, the ladies man. He gets like into places. He says, Hey, I'm with the news, like that kind of thing. I think that works really, really well. Definitely there. We don't have to spend time on this because we're uh, we've already covered it. But the news parody of it, again, making fun of this era of TV and news and all that sort of stuff, we've already talked about. Uh, the matching PJs with Ron Burgundy and his dog. <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious! That the, the, does the dog win the award for like heat check acting? Because it's like him, oh, and Jack Black, and some of those guys for like that. Uh, it's a it's a tough nominee uh, to pick from. <laughs> He's one of the. He's one of the underrated uh, cast members in this movie, for sure. <laughs> uh, some other things that age well. Uh, Vince, Vince uh, Vaughn, who plays the head of the night news team uh, with all those scenes. And then, of course, Jack Black. Awesome additions for this film. Fantastic additions. Uh, the ad- I, the uh, you, you have something else? Yeah, go ahead. I just think they're, I think they're funny in like almost all the movies they are in. But even in these small little roles, I think how small they are adds to how funny they they are because it's just again the kind of oh my god he's here what is he doing here kind of random uh the ad-lib comedy of this film i put aged well again like the just random like the stuff they're saying again you could do it in an ad-lib book and it would be funny so i love how they did that uh yeah 
uh, kind of a small thing, but the big emphasis on ratings, 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 where it's always about like getting the, I feel like now, especially dude with like social media and trying to get likes and stuff. And it seems like companies more care about like trying to get more people watching TV than actually what they put out. I don't know what it is, but I feel like that like really hit the home. No, I would agree with that for sure. I think that's a aspect of the movie that I forgot about, but um, the focus on ratings really is still relevant. I think with a lot of online, um, like news outlets, um, like what was then ratings is now like clicks is the most important clicks and engagement. And when a lot of um, news outlets <clears throat> online will do anything to get your attention. Um, I don't think it's ever been more relevant. Yeah, no, definitely agree there. Um, a couple things that age well really quick. Uh, of course, I had to get put this on there. Sex Panther Cologne. <laughs> oh, the best. Made with Nothing will age Panther. better for this movie than Sex Panther. It's illegal in nine countries. <laughs> it's illegal in nine countries. It's got a real panther in it. <laughs> it's a real panther. <laughs> so good. That's a, that's like the best. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let me see what else I have on my list here because there's a lot. Uh, the the I mean, again, hammered home the point, but the first female anchor, like female, can now go on air, like hold nip. I kind of love the way they put took a play on that. Uh, breaking news, like remember how they're like breaking news, day forty six of the Panda Watch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, With Paul Rudd. Yes, dear God. Uh, the I put the teleprompter fuck up where uh Ron Burgundy question mark. Why do we tell you he's gonna read whatever it says in the teleprompter? <laughs> yeah, it's he like when... go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> he doesn't like um like roll with it. If there's an error, he just reads straight from the teleprompter. I'm, I'm Ron, Ron Burgundy. Burgundy. <laughs> I'm <Ron> Burgundy. <laughs> well, how about of course with like art, like some of the news things we've done before, where it's like if they go too slow on the teleprompter and we're like dragging onwards, then they're like speed up, prompter, speed up. <laughs> It's hard to not look at the teleprompter for everything because you're so used to it. But uh, in that situation, I think it's a very funny uh, way of kind of poking fun at that. And then I have uh, my last, I have two things that didn't age well, that age well. Uh, the bloopers at the end, this was, I put this today because I rewatched the film before this pod and I love the end credits. Like if you actually go back to watch the end credits, they're hysterical with the stuff they left out. And then I put this as a didn't age well, but also age well, but the lack of diversity joke where they make fun of it. But at the same time, they kind of bring out a serious issue in the seventies of like, yeah, like there's no females on air. Like, how is that possible? So I don't know. It's one of those touchy subjects where you kind of can't put in either. So you, I put it in both. Cause I couldn't, I didn't know what to do with it, but thought I figured it out. Is there anything else for you that aged well that you want to bring up? I think we kind of covered a good amount of it. I think that aspect of like, um, I think it's good in that way of, yeah, like a big part of Veronica's character is that um, she's like the first woman anchor. But I think it's also good is that like she's not like grouped in with like the idiot characters because like she like engages Ron in his like antics. I think mostly out of frustration, but for the most part, she is like a very competent, like, like realistic character. She doesn't really have, she's not like dumb or ridiculous like the others. And I think that was a good move. dear lord oh my god um let me well, still being funny that's the thing she's still yeah. funny but she's funny in like the intelligent way where yeah like yeah she got to where she was even like 
even though they are trying to push for diversity, like she got there for a reason. So she sticks with that. I definitely agree there. So we can move on to the, the sucky part of the pot, which is what didn't age well. If you had to, uh, I'll let you kind of take the floor first. I only have like six things, but nonetheless, always got to cover it. What didn't age well for you with this film uh, heading into the modern day? Hmm. Um, I think there's some jokes like uh, there's some, I think uh, you mentioned like the brick thing earlier in his kind of introduction it's not that like uh, I think it's just like that word is tough nowadays it's not really yeah. something uh, that's really acceptable anymore even at the time I think even if it was like I don't think it was even known as like a medical term anymore it was kind of just like not for use of the word I don't know what the intentions of using it were but like that's not really something that would uh fly today uh yeah i agree so i have a couple things that didn't age well uh journalism as a joke because you know in 2021 that everyone kind of like just loves to hate on the media like that age in 2004 it was cool to do that but now it's like oof like damn everyone everyone hates journalists now it's it's that i feel like that <laughs> definitely didn't do so well uh the use of the r word and steve carell's joke in that like intro scene i will say can't really do that uh, these days but for 2004, you get away with it. Nowadays, not so much. Yeah. Um, the uh, there's a line in the movie where they say something along the lines of like, "You sound like a gay," which I, you like. That's like, oof, like. Oh man. I yeah. think again, the R word and that one line were the only two jokes I could look at. That was like, okay, you can't say that. Other than that, I think it turned out fine. I'm pretty sure. Is there anything else I might be missing, or do I think we covered the bad jokes? <laughs> I feel like uh, if there were, I can't remember, but I think. Yeah, there was definitely some, for how good, like, the movie, the rest of the movie is, there are definitely some moments where it's like, ah, you know, probably would change that in a, in a revision or a remaster of the movie, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I will say some other things. Um, uh, the big one for me is they, they sexualize Christina's character a lot, dude. Mm, like, true. remember, like, uh, like, I know it's supposed to be part of the pop, like, how about, like, David Cochner, like, just trying to grab her breasts and then make, making fun of her ass like you know what i mean like stuff like that it was like oof man thank you yeah. it was the mid-2000s not nowadays not now. you, cannot, you cannot do that now <laughs> well i'm glad I, well i'm like i understand that's definitely part of like the um satirization of the kind of culture in journalism at the time i'm at least glad it's never like um like glorified like i think um that really helps in like because each of uh, the really the news team's characters are so stupid while they are the heroes i don't think those actions are really super glorified because um of veronica's like reaction it's never like a played for laugh it's a played for laughs and like kind of how horrible it is which like is still slightly bad but i'm at least glad it's not like excused you know <laughs> yeah um is there anything else for you that didn't age well in this film I feel like i covered it all on my end but don't want to leave anything out yeah i think you got it mostly covered if there, again if there's something else i'm sure i i'm sure there's probably something else one or two things but i'm drawing a blank right now all righty so we get into my another favorite category my best line of the film or at least most memorable uh there's a lot of candidates to choose from i think i have like 15 on this list so if you're ready to hear them all so uh this was an age where ugly men were allowed to read the news <laughs> hmm. Suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Yeah. How now, brown cow, like in all caps. 
Oh, when Steve Carell does the weather in the first scene, he goes, it's it's 84 degrees in the northwest and it's 38 degrees in the Middle East. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stay classy San Diego, of course. Uh, The the Steve Carell years later, Dr. Blah, 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 quote with the R word. Uh, uh, I woke I woke up this morning in some Japanese family's rec room and it would not stop shouting. what in the hell is diversity? Diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. <laughs> uh, it's called Sex Panther. It's illegal in nine countries. <laughs> uh, she was Brazilian or Chinese or something weird. I met her at a bathroom in a Kmart. <laughs> <laughs> that might win it for me because it's just so stupid. I swear to God. Uh, it seems that our youngest son, Chris, was on something called acid and was firing a bow and arrow into a crowd. <laughs> um go after yourself san diego uh and then the scene in the panda pit where they're like paul rudd goes ron i know it sounds hard but god does not want her to live (laughs) (laughs) so a a lot of candidates to choose from and if there's anything i'm missing from my end what is your favorite line from the film when steve carell says yeah i ate a big red candle (laughs) or like (laughs) when he says um i forget what scene it was but he says i love lamp <laughs> i love car- I, I like, love carpet are you, are you are you saying you love the carpet or are you just saying because you love you just want something to say and he says i love lamp <laughs> <laughs> I think like, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go choose brazilian or chinese or something weird i met her at the bathroom of a kmart <laughs> oh man but the, oh it's so tough because there's also brick saying loud noises or will ferrell saying like oh that escalated quickly phrases that have been repeated for years afterwards uh stay classy San, San Diego is probably like the premier quote to come out of this movie I feel like I feel like that's like that's the one that's all on all the t-shirts and the merch or the go know. after yourself San Diego of course <laughs> yeah yeah go after yourself San Diego <laughs> uh yeah. that's kind of it so fun facts I only have three because uh, I feel like I want to cover more of the movie for this pod the three is the one I just mentioned Ron Burgundy's character uh Will Ferrell said it was his best role that he ever played uh, I do not know if you knew this, but the scene where they filmed the fight scene with all the news teams, it was in a hundred degree day, this, this, the day of the set, which is absolutely insane, with all those suits and then like covered in blood or whatever. Oh my God. <laughs> and then did not know this. I thought this was funny, but uh, uh, multiple penis jokes for this film. Number one, <laughs> is that, do you know that like the narrator, there's like the voiceover narrator. He refused to actually say the word on camera because this was his first time ever narrating a film. Uh, <laughs> so he was like, I'm not going to put that in my name. And the dog, there were some scenes they had to like cover up or whatever. Cause he had a, a very, you know what? <laughs> Random as hell, but they had to, apparently they were getting uh, yelled at by like the upper management that the movie wouldn't be PG 13 if they didn't do that. So, oh my God. A couple That's of so things wild. there. Again, the most random facts you could think of for this film to coincide with the most randomness that is uh, the anchor man. So, Dan, I'll leave it with this. We're at the end of the pod. Always the big question is that you chose this film for the pod, and it's one of these movies we're going to probably watch, you know, a gajillion years down the road. What are the some of the sticking points for this film that I always say, like, this is the reason why I love this film? I think just how ridiculous it is. The anchor fight scene, the bridge scene, easily. Ron Burgundy as a character, so good. The how well the cast works together. I think all the random little cameos. Uh, I think this is a great movie. There, are, there are definitely some points that will, I would choose to edit. 
uh, given that it was released today. Uh, but it's something like it's something I think I'm always gonna like in a way, in one way or another, at the very least. And so that's why I chose it. Well, yeah, you definitely made a good selection here. And once again, another film pod with you on the Dunko and Dom podcast. Maybe we should do another Wolf Ferrell one down the road. I'm thinking, uh, what do you think, like Elf maybe? Should we, or Step, Step Brothers would be a good one, dude. Step Brothers I would like because I've not seen Step Brothers in a long time. I feel like you have that a lot of uh, insight into Step Brothers too. <laughs> Probably not. That's the one that I really haven't seen all that much. But the like one or two times I saw it, it was a long time ago. So I would definitely like to give that a rewatch. Well, we'll definitely have more of these types of films on the pod. Dan, once again, thank you so much for being on the pod. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me.